Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast here on the Boink Network Discord server. It is another Friday, another 5 p.m. Eastern, and we are here talking about Boink things. Hey, what do you know? Today's topic is the failings of gamification. Delta, we've talked about gamification before and how it's so cool. How could there possibly be failings to it? I know, games are so fun, right? They can't possibly fail. <laughs> so true. So true. There's definitely no way to uh, just make yourself appear in a different spot. And um, what was the game you were talking about? Fall Guys. It was, yeah. <laughs> but first, <I'm> <laughs> we will be talking about all the great games. Uh, but first, hey, join us every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Join us in the text chat. Join us in the voice chat. You can talk about whatever you want if you really want to. Cut us off. Talk about Boink. Uh, otherwise, we'll talk. <laughs> I guess we're going to start off with news. Delta, I'm thrown off because last <laughs> week I could do whatever I wanted because you weren't here and it was so freeing and everyone had a beverage and it was just very nice. <laughs> I know. And I listened to everyone. Uh, I listened to you talk about everyone's beverage and it was fantastic to see my cult following now growing. So <laughs> thank you all for joining the tea cult. <laughs> uh, no, we did miss you, though. It's good to have you back. What are you drinking today? A little bit of MMT? <laughs> Unfortunately not, but I have done another mixer today. Uh, I'm doing the oolong mixings uh, for the last couple of weeks, and right now I've got oolong with New Zealand breakfast. I thought that this one would be pretty terrible, and honestly, I think it is pretty terrible. the The New Zealand the New Zealand brew is way too overpowering. <laughs> the oolong just doesn't mix the, the smooth and woody oolong doesn't mix well with the spontaneous and combustible New Zealand. So combustible. What? Yep. It's is a, that like the, a flavor? The New Zealand, yeah, the New Zealand brew is pretty explosive. Like the, the flavor is really, really deep and strong. Okay. I was really just thinking about flames that entire time. Uh, huh. <laughs> What's SB? Super blocks? Super brew. Uh, well, I do know we have a Riesling. I've got coffee. I've got a long night ahead of me. Uh, but I, we also have Riesling in the chat. I am fairly certain. We've got some orange juice. Uh, I think someone went to go get tea a second. Oh, yep. Vokes said he got tea. We got a pale L come from Pollock. That's, I think, the first time anyone has drank a pale L during this show. Congratulations. Anyone got ginger beer? Ooh. I, I, I don't, don't know like why it, I'm but saying I know you, people do. But yeah. <laughs> I like, um, what, what is it where it's basically whiskey and ginger beer? Kentucky Mule? I think so. Uh, we've got a Ross House beer. Uh, Volk does have ginger beer, but he says he's not putting it with his tea. Um, Epic, that is very dis- like You're just saying you don't have beverage? <laughs> so disappointing. <laughs> the void. I have a void. <laughs> void of beverage. We've got void. <laughs> oh, he just drank his Coke. Jim's got like, it uh, looks like a coffee milk mixture with a mug with a, it, it might just be the camera angle, but that handle looks outrageously large. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jim's got big hands confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> and it is time for some boink news. He says the cup is outrageously large. Okay, fair enough. Oh no, it's an Australian cup. <laughs> ah, slightly bigger than the American cups. Like their tablespoons. Yes, just like the tablespoons. Oh man, the callbacks are just rolling off the tongue tonight. 
Let's keep it going with some blank news. What do we got, Delta? All right, to pick up the slack from me not being here last week, I'm going to start off with a quick reminder from the African Rainfall Project. Quick reminder, did you know that 95% of the agriculture in Africa depends on rainfall? That's not the announcement. The announcement is um, they are reminding everyone that they are going to have two virtual conferences before the end of this year. Um, and if you want to join or register, you can click on their little notification or update post on the World Community Grid forums uh, or their news page. And uh, it is, if you want to Google it, it's the American Geophysical Union's Fall Meeting, apparently. Um, and uh, so if you want to join and register and listen to the African Rainfall Project, have a little virtual conference, go for it. Check out the post. Speaking of virtual conferences... Boink virtual workshop, virtual boink workshop, one of the two. It's going to We need a happen. jingle. <laughs> <laughs> that was it right there. That's the jingle. Uh, we actually do need a jingle. One of our items yeah, for the, with the PR team is to find a theme song. <laughs> so if anyone wants to make us a theme song for the boink virtual, virtual boink workshop, feel free to reach out. Or if you want to help out in any other way, feel free to reach out. Uh, it's uh, I say it every week, but it is starting to come together. We got some cool visualizations. We got some website infrastructure settled on. We got some some tech side, like production side stuff ready to go. We're building decks. We're we're building slides. You're building we're, a deck? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, dude. We're gonna sit out there in some nice Adirondack chairs and 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 look at some ducks. I'll make some tea for everyone then. There we go. <laughs> Socially distanced deck sitting for the virtual bike workshop. Um, but it is very exciting to see uh, working with Boink, helping out with Boink in any way, whether it's development with the just code or organization through something like the virtual Boink workshop or setting up your own Boink project or helping with an existing Boink project like Minecraft at home, like MLC at home, like Tomash's project, uh, which is, I think, Tibrata is just named after him working on Latin squares. It's all great for a learning experience and also it looks great when you put it on paper uh, i know if i was hiring someone and they said i just spent my free time helping out this project that's been around since the 90s uh doing science and i did it because it was a challenge because it is a challenge boink is a beast uh i would want to hire them over someone who hadn't done that assuming all other things be equal so consider that when you pm me to help with the virtual boink quick shop <laughs> Uh, more project news, though. Yeah? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> what do you got? Oh, me again. <laughs> you again. Okay. I did my uh, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Dennis at Home, project that we haven't really talked much about on here, and I might do a project brief on it soon. Uh, hey. It is announcing that the project has not been maintained very well in the past, and they're going to shut the server down from... Um, uh, soon, what's that now? So it should be either around now it should be down or it should be down next Monday. And uh, they, the reason why they're shutting the server down is because they want to update everything. So it looks like this project is coming back up from the unmaintained grave and starting to crunch some more stuff again. This is very exciting to hear. Dennis is a project that is uh, working on cardiac electrophysiology simulations. That's interesting. Uh, uh, just but who's medical Dennis? stuff. I, I'm sure it it's got to stand for something. <laughs> I have it here. It stands for Distributed Computing, Electrophysiological Models, Networking Collaboration, 
in silico research sharing knowledge oh there is nothing like really stretching to get an acronym oh man that was great. a stretch <laughs> i love that one that is that might be my new favorite <laughs> <laughs> uh so what they're basically doing and keep an eye out for delta's project brief on this because i would love to learn more about it but what they're basically doing is studying how electricity works in the body electrical activity in cells and stuff like that and you can use that to predict the effect of drugs on the heart and brain cells and just simulate the body and by simulating what's happening in the body we can learn more about the body without having to cut into the body and like electrocute it i don't know how you would actually do that in a physical setting but you know simulate computer simulations are freaking amazing so yeah and would you rather the acronym dennis or d-c-e-m-n-c-i-s-r-s-k dennis yep <laughs> <laughs> so this project uh moving on is uh, is, is improving its infrastructure essentially. And this news item coming out of uh, number fields at home is very similar. And it, I think this highlights a huge part of distributing computing that I, I just love. But the news coming out of number fields at home is uh, basically saying that the project admin has made some improvements to the code that runs everything, right? The application that gives, that you crunch essentially on your computer, the problem that you solve when you get a work unit. Uh, and the changes to the code have uh, created a 30 to 40% increase in speed when it comes to crunching the work unit. So when you change just, because distributed computing is just running code on your computer um, in, in a simulated form or, or, or something like that. Uh, but essentially it boils down to just running code on your computer. And if you change that code, you can make it run faster. You can make it give you different answers. You can make it give you more specific answers. Delta, I think a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a world community grid project that just was looking at a general cancer marker, I think, and then they are sarcoma, I think. And then they decided, wait a minute, we could look at even more specific markers. And so they just rewrote the code to identify those more specific markers, something like that, right? Yep, that was it. It's, it's, that's crazy to me. Like this is science used to be you walk into a lab and you have a very specific task you have to complete. So you put liquid A into Petri dish B 600 times. And then tell us she'll be right and then let it go and then burn the, burn the science lab down. No problem. Exactly. <laughs> now you can do it all on your computer and you hear it coming out of other uh specifically uh, or particularly medical projects where like you just run the stuff on the, your computer and you go from you essentially do liquid a into petri dish b 60 million times in a simulation and you end up with 70 high probability solutions and then you only need to go and do it 70 times versus 60 million times and it's just the things that computational science are doing for science in general are freaking mind-blowing um Sorry, I got a little heated over there. I fell in love a little bit. Um, That's all right. I'm a computer scientist, so it's not very um, fantastical to me. It happens every day in software development. Speeding well, up the Delta, code. you should be falling in love every day then. <laughs> <laughs> Call Me Foxy says, I love being a scientist working from home. Amen. Amen. That's the most ultimate love. Well, do we have any more news? I believe not. Huh. 
Well, it is nice to hear from Dennis at home. Nice to hear them doing some new stuff. Nice to hear from Denver Fields. We don't hear too much about them or too much from them too often. Uh, I will highlight that if any other project wants us to talk about something, get your news out there in one way or another. If we will try our best to find it, if we consistently fail to find your news item, bring it here to the Discord, uh, the Boink Network Discord, and let us know. And we'll definitely see it if you post it here. <laughs> um, oh wait, Jay Ringer. Yeah. I have to correct you on something you said last episode. Uh oh. <laughs> Kudos okay. for listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you you uh, mentioned that I think it was SR Base had a new Mega Prime. And uh, the way you spoke the Prime was not exactly how it's represented. Oh, Just yes. Think about this. No, I think I completely said that with entire confidence, too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you now. You said uh-huh. that it was two to the power of something to the power of negative one. Okay. Now think about this. Are there any prime numbers that are between zero and one? So is half a prime number? Stop asking me questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When you have something to the power of a negative one, it basically flips it into a fraction. So if you have oh, two to but... the power of a negative one, it's one over two, which is half. Yeah, I meant minus one, I think. <laughs> Yeah, well, you said to the power of minus one. And so I'm here to correct you. No, to say I said that to the usually... power of negative one. If I... <laughs> yeah, well, same thing. Okay. All right, and I'm here to correct you in saying that with most prime numbers and the way you find most prime numbers is usually you take a base, which is usually two uh, or mm-hmm. some random base. Then you put it to the power of a really big number. And then you subtract that number by one because usually the algorithm or the way that the great mathematicians of the time before us managed to figure it out is with some really funky maths where you just subtract one from stuff. And the minus one is left there to signify that we followed the algorithm. Okay, so just pretend I said less one, because I remember trying to, like struggling through that really big number, like to the two, five, four, six, seven, eight, ith power, negative one, minus one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thank you for the correction. I will try to, my best to do it right next time. And also, or just get me to do it. <laughs> well, you weren't here, Delta. You were stuck in it's a time for you down. daylight savings. <laughs> the weird uh, and fantastical world of daylight savings. It's a wild trip for sure. Uh, speaking of me failing to do to say things correctly, if anyone finds a chemical they want me to pronounce during the length of this show, feel free to throw it in the chat and I will do my best. Uh, That said though, shall we get on to the main topic here? Yeah, let's play some games. What do you want to play? Let's do it. Um, All right, gamification. I guess we should introduce the benefits of gamification before we say why it can uh, suck a little bit. Uh, We did have an entire episode right when we started this little Boink Radio, this little baby, which is almost a whole year old. Uh, talking about gamification and how Blink uses it. Uh, gamification is basically the concept of taking the principles of games and applying them to literally anything. Uh, I think the example I used in the previous episode was uh, Priuses or uh, electric cars and how they gamify trying to get um, good mileage, where they show you a scoreboard, you get points for stopping well, accelerating well, and coasting well, uh, stuff like that. Uh, Education can be gamified, and Boink can be gamified, and Boink was gamified. It is one of the primary tools it uses to get people in and continue to keep them engaged. 
uh, credits are an aspect of gamification. The more science you do, the more points you get. That feels good. It's good to watch your number go up. Uh, you teams are part of gamification. They're also a part of. Let me let me correct that. Teams themselves are not part of gamification. Teams are part of a social structure, but. The way you can set up tournaments and competitions between teams are part of gamification. Uh, you can uh, Cruncher Stands Frontier uh, is a, a huge community on Boink that always runs um, some challenge on World Community Grid that I can't remember the name of. There's the Thor Challenge, uh, which might be the one I'm thinking of right now. Um, you got marathons, pentathlons. Absolutely. So all of these are aspects of gamification, um, and and what it does is keeps it gets you interested and keeps you engaged to a point but we'll get back to that in a second so that's what it is um and there are some failings right off the bat of it like in games there are rules right and those rules can be bent and sometimes broken like in fall guys ah yes so let's talk about cheating So I remember, um, all my, I remember the craze when Fall Guys just came out, and all my friends said, "Yo, yo, I'll buy you this game, come play it." And so I'm like, oh, "Okay." Uh, and so I started playing it, and within probably about a week of playing it, people figured out how to break it. <laughs> and it's a it was fun the game too. Age, yeah, it was the age-old issue of server-side validation. You, the client, can send the packet to the server saying, "Hey, I'm here." And the server will say, okay. <laughs> and the server will then put your character relative to everyone else in the position that you tell it. So people figured out that they can fly by just simply telling the server, hey, I'm going here, I'm going here, I'm, I'm going here. And the server would say, okay, okay, okay. And so uh, suddenly, no you, yeah, you could you'd see people flying around the, around the map and, and cheating. And for some reason, every time I played against a hacker, I managed to win somehow. <laughs> What? I don't yeah, even though they were hacking. Yeah. yeah, that is not an easy game. When everyone's fly- I'm playing not kidding. The, by the rules, along with someone's hacking. But okay, all right. There's pro- there probably was one time where I lost to a hacker, but that was because I don't know some crap happened. But anyway, <laughs> I know every most of the time, most of the time I went against hackers, I've won huh. in Fall Guys. And bringing this back into Boink, um, what could happen is you could cheat on work units. Uh, so even though Boink is decentralized and decentralization is usually uh, has uh, usually has mechanisms to prevent this sort of cheating and bad actors, it's still possible. So the easiest example is all the math projects. We usually have something that is really, really, really hard to crunch, and uh, it takes a long time. And usually the result is simply a yes or a no. And uh, instead of doing the operations and then getting uh, and then and then getting the results and then testing the results as to whether it's yes or no, you can just put in a yes or a no. And this is a bit of an issue because if people are cheating, there's only a fifty percent chance to figure it out. And so if you validate all the uh, and as a cheater, you have a fifty percent chance of getting the right result and cheating your way through it. So. Um, that's a bit of an issue with math sort of projects and essentially almost prime numbers, but it's the algorithms and outputs are a little bit more complex and I won't go into it. But that's essentially one way you can cheat in Boink. And uh, usually cheaters make the game really crap. For but, everyone um, else, right? In the case of Fall Guys, it was sort of fun watching them float <laughs> around and just punch balls everywhere. <laughs> I can imagine. And 
why do people cheat? Why would they? Uh, why would they cheat if there weren't points? Like, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know. So if there weren't credits, like, it. what would be the point of running of cheating on Boink if you weren't getting credits? Yeah, it'd need to be worth it somehow. And in the case of computer security, especially real hackers trying to target real systems, uh, you're looking at uh, you're looking at two things: how valuable is the data that you're storing, and how long will it be valuable for? And uh, and how strong how strong are your defenses as to whether the attacker will actually bother to try and come through the defenses or just back off because the data is going to be moldy by the time that they get themselves into the server. Yeah. So people are are like highlighting my question here: Why would anyone want to cheat in Blink? So it it does come down to the points and watching that number go up. There are also some organizations uh, and networks that. Uh, inject money into the equation, which makes people want to cheat even more. Uh, but it does come down to the scorekeeping. Now, uh, so so this brings us to the failings of gamification, I guess. That is one. That's an obvious one, cheating. When you have a game that keeps score, people want to take advantage of that, get the highest score. But those tend to be power users, because as uh, Vitaly says, people are crazy about numbers. Well, not everyone. Most people come in and... Uh, crunch for a little bit, and then leave. That's how Boink's UX works right now. There's really not much holding people here, and it's kind of a problem. And the way this relates, and the reason gamification doesn't solve this problem uh, is because it it doesn't keep people engaged. Think about computer games, the basic or any game, really. There's a certain number of hours for which that game is going to be fun. It's called playtime. You have like 30 hours of playtime for Assassin's Creed or something like that. And after that point, you're expected to have beaten the game, played through it maybe once or twice, maybe three times under different settings with different characters or whatever. And you're you're after that, you're done. But after that, maybe you become a power user and you just get addicted to the game and you continuously play it, trying to get the highest score. Those are like people who continuously run Boink simply to watch their score go up. Uh, those are power users. They're rare. They're not common. Games come and go. Like I'm a power user of Age of Empires. I love Age of Empires. I will play it forever. <laughs> <laughs> but most people aren't. That game came and game came and went. And there are others that other people play now. Um, so it, it's. I think it's important to keep in mind that the the gamification part of all of this stuff wears away fairly quickly, actually. Uh, and one of the things that we have seen in studies about people staying engaged with Boink is uh, if you want to keep them engaged, you show them what they're doing. So you include them in the building process versus making a game out of it. Making a game out of it is still very valuable because it gets them there in the first place and watching those credits go up when you're learning the system is very fun. But once you're a master of the system, it's less fun for most people. Uh, But once you are a master of the system, if you see what you're building, that's really cool. So if you are credited in a paper, if you get to see your results in um, on the website, uh, if you continuously put out updates, engagement updates like World Community Grid, uh, you will have more engaged participants, more engaged crunchers. Uh, Minecraft at home, as much as we always crush on you guys, uh, does a great job of this because it's an engaging thing. It's not about the points so much. You are... When you're crunching Minecraft at home, you probably play Minecraft. So you're getting to watch, you're getting to build something in the world you are attached to. It's fun to watch build that or watch that get built versus getting some credits, whatever. Credits are secondary to building the largest cactus. 
And then I'm going to bring back a little bit of nostalgia back from uh, DHEP when that was then when that project was around. For those of you that don't know, DHEP was the Distributed Hardware Evolution Project. And what you would do is you would compete with uh, your genetic algorithm against other genetic algorithms that's on the same server. And you would try and make the best circuit. And there was a whole map where you can see everyone's different um, different scores and see how close you were to the best user and then how well you were doing against everyone else. And it was really cool. And you could see live what was actually happening with all the crunches and there were graphs and everything and you could see how well everyone was doing generally because the way that the genetic genetic algorithm works we get better very quickly and then slowly we become experts at it it was really cool really good yeah time. But, but, to, by go the ahead, way I, I think there is a way you know because i think everything you guys are talking about is really valid and important i think that it requires more in the science or results side or what's going on side of it going and look at the Boink leaderboard. I think it's, you've got to have all of that. I, I do think there's more we can do on the, on the validation side to protect against cheating. I, I mean, I, I know on, I think you, you guys have talked about your uh, wingman checking right and validation where that can be done. There are many projects where that's not feasible, but I think you know, there, there are very thin checkpointing calculations that can basically uh, create essentially hash checkpoints that you know, you record and send up to the server after a, after a finite number of iterations of a calculation that don't exert much calculation load, but um, can meet, serve as a checkpoint to make sure the client has at least gone through the necessary number of iterations or, or gone through the work to actually generate a result. So I think while that's not an absolute more that we can do to build into the uh, work unit infrastructure to actually improve the uh, the the you know, the ring fencing against possible cheating. I'd like to hear anyone have any comments on that because I think we can do more. I can just quickly simplify it. Uh, so for those of you that uh, don't know exactly what Jim was talking about, um, um, here's an example which isn't technically valid, but it still expresses the point. Uh, let's say you're trying to figure out whether a number is prime. And let's say you're doing the typical prime test where you just go through each number and see, oh, is this number divisible by two? Is this number divisible by three? Is this number divisible by four? And so you keep going with those numbers. And every 10th number, you say to the server, hey, I'm at this 10th number and it is not a, a prime or something like that. And then you go to the, 20, uh, the 20th number, say, hey, for 20, it's not prime. And then you keep going. It's sort of like that. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. Um, I, <clears throat> I think uh, implementing stronger uh, cheating prevention, I guess, would be wonderful. Actually, that form that form of uh, checkpointing is actually more efficient than actually like the two to one or three to one wingman approach, right? Because it's it's less expensive algorithm to put a trace calculation built into the work unit computation than it is to have to do it twice or three times over again. Does that make sense to everybody? So I'm I'm in a big favor of sort of looking at that. You know, I, I don't do uh, obviously a lot of coding on the Boeing side, but I, I I monitor this pretty closely. But I I think we should really look into that because I think it would help a lot. Um, you know, unfortunately, it requires a retro a pretty substantial retrofit for existing projects uh, to put that sort of thing in there, and probably some code to the Boeing infrastructure changes to the Boeing infrastructure as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, we have something uh, we have been working on in Minecraft at home. Um, uh, it's basically because we are checking for hash, which is related to something in Minecraft, but uh, it's not the point. And because it's um, 
something in a continuous range and you cannot check if uh, someone actually did all the calculation. We are calculating some uh, sum, well, some checksum, which is only possible if you have already calculated everything because we exactly. know exactly. we have a function yep. which we know that have a, a sum result. We have a mathematical guarantee on it. And then we can check that uh, some way, well, someone did the job and not just poof it. It's almost exactly the same as the validation of a, of a hash in a Merkle tree, right? So you, you, you know that, you know, you, you, those hashes don't just independent, don't just exist in a vacuum, right? You can prove whether they're, they're right or not. And that's exactly the type of... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's mostly about. like blockchain, yeah. That's kind of... Exactly. And if you can implement this, not in the application itself, but in Boink, like in the actual Boink client then that would make it even better because then it's project agnostic. There would need to just simply be the checkpoints or some other hash or something. And then a presto, there you go. You've got this sort of uh, validation and cheating prevention for pretty much every project. Yep. And if you do it very thin, so like it's loop iteration or whatever, the Boink server doesn't have to, on the server side, doesn't have to go very far to actually validate on the server end, right? So, the, you know, the, the validation becomes extremely uh, cheap from an algorithmic point of view. You can get the you can get the coverage to be pretty thin and still be in good shape from a risk perspective. Sorry if I'm getting too technical, but I think I think that you know this is an important thing we should be thinking about. No, I think it's great to get this stuff out there uh, and highlight to people that there are problems and potential solutions for almost everything involving Boink. <laughs> so it's really great to hear that people are thinking about this and even implementing some of the uh, creative solutions uh, that that might you know, become uh, network-wide at some point. Uh, to bring in some of the chat here, and feel free to go back to uh, this cheating conversation later uh, if you think of anything, but to bring in some of the chat, uh, Volks says, I agree with uh, most of this, but I think Boink's advantage over games is you keep, keep using it without thinking about it because it runs as a background process. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the Once you get tired of the game, as long as you keep Boink installed on your computer and set it up, uh, then you are, uh, and you set it up to keep running, like when you're not using your computer or at night or something like that, then you're good to go. Uh, once you get bored of the game, you'll continue boinking. But the problem is most people don't actually uh, do that for extended periods of time. And then you'll forget about boink and you'll sort of lose interest in it over time. And eventually you'll be like, oh, what is this thing on my computer? Oh, I remember when I installed that like a year and a half ago. I guess I'll delete it now. I don't remember really what it was or what I was doing. Or maybe you'll reformat or get a new computer and you won't install it. So you want to keep users engaged. And that background process thing is, in my opinion, I think uh, greater for or, or better for like large entities who are running computers so like computer labs or companies who want to set this up some it guy wants to set it up on their their lab so they set it up to run in the background and then they stay interested as one person sort of thing jay ringo i just realized what boink is basically a useful cookie clicker <laughs> have it run in the background have it collect the credits for you and you accumulate more credits <laughs> Well, I, that's, I don't know. I mean, you're right. That deflates me so much. <laughs> <laughs> I did recently play the, uh, um, I think it was the CERN clicker. Where you, There's you a just, CERN clicker? <laughs> I think it's the or LHC clicker where you just try and upgrade your um, your lasers and you hire grad students and stuff. 
<laughs> I remember what I wanted heck? to make a, I wanted to make a game where you collect like particles from like the from like solar radiation and then you sell those particles to to companies and then you use that money to buy more equipment to get more particles. I was thinking of making something like that. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. And then you can uh, buy the LHC and then you can make <laughs> particles. <laughs> Moving on though. Uh, <laughs> Because we do have a lot of questions here in the chat or comments. Koshi says, didn't it look like, uh, or didn't look at it from that perspective, but maybe teams uh, get you sticking with Boink. Uh, and and it continues, like, what's the percentage of crunchers and teams versus crunching alone? Uh, and reactivating people because they are part of your local Boink community in some way would work. Uh, people just went solo, no team, they forget and they're gone. Uh, I'm entirely on board with, with this thought. Uh, Teams uh, keep people connected. It's the social aspect. There's less the gamification part, and that's the social aspect. The social network. Uh, the way I view Boink, for example, is a, it's a it is a social network that's dependent on a technology, uh, and the technology is what everyone works on. But really, we're all working together to do something. Uh, and you make friends through it. You you form community. You form family. Uh, and if you're in it only for the game. Uh, you're not going to do those things as much. Uh, so uh, the team competitions might get you into the social aspect, uh, but mostly the social aspect serves as a uh, perpetual engagement machine uh, to, to keep you coming back, talking to people on forums, coming to these podcasts, talking on Discord. I love the social aspect more than the gaming part. Um, I don't know if There's a question by Crunchy Haggis here that asks, do cheaters affect the work units returned? Uh, are they holding work units that could have gone to a good cruncher or do they do the work but uh, but just get extra credits? So this is a bit complex. Um, the cheaters essentially do affect the uh, work units return. So when they return a cheated response, in the case of, as I was explaining before, with the simple prime number check, they either return true or false. And usually, or assuming that the project does, um, I think Jim mentioned wingman checking, so having multiple people do the same work and return the, the value, either they're going to be correct or they're going to be wrong compared to all the other results of the other people. And if no one can get a consistent result, then they just keep sending out work units. They keep sending out work units to the other crunches until they get a consistent result. Maybe like 90% of all the, or 95% of all the work units return uh, a single consistent response. Huh. That's right. And, and some other projects that don't necessarily end checking, uh, like some of the physics simulation projects, like uh, if, I'm, if I remember LAC, which those simulations are return a state of an output that's so complicated, it would be very difficult for someone to fake it out. In other words, there's enough detail in the return information that it's almost impossible to cheat. So, you know, it, it, I, I think the, it's exactly right that the yes, no answer type of computations are the ones that are most at risk for cheaters because, you know, you're just, it's a binary result, right? But the, the types of work units which produce a complex output, those, the more complex the output is, the harder it is to fake it. And it's easily detectable on the, by the validator at the project level when someone's, you know, faking the funk, so to speak. Haggis <laughs> continues, could you feed known cheaters repetitive work units to crunch so they're not holding work units that could go to uh, known good crunchers? I like that idea. That's I really love good. it. <laughs> you could literally feed them lemons. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's like the, of, you know, everyone gets these horrible calls, right, that about your extended vehicle warranty or, or, or you oh, know, God. This, oh, my God. 
And, you know, there, there, there are these services I think you can sign up for that will actually get these robots on the phone and actually keep them occupied for like minutes at a time just to drive them crazy. I love that. Oh, that's brilliant. So if I'm like not busy, like don't need to use my phone, I'll just answer those calls and just let it go for a while and save someone else from getting a call. Yeah, they'll just string them on, right? It's like a, I love that. That's idea, great. Right? <laughs> oh man, um, I'm gonna see at home here says that as a new project, our initial user base was solely due to me announcing it here in this Discord and team spreading the word. Uh, he says it really helped early on. Right? That is that's the social aspect that has so little to do with gamification, and it's so so much more powerful uh, than uh, building a system that would serve to um, meet the needs of power users trying to get huge credits, <laughs> right? If we build build out the social aspect of Boink, the social network, uh, then you, I, I think this would go much better in terms of user retention, uh, getting more people engaged in the first place um, versus if we focus on the gamification aspect, which is wonderful still, the credits are incredible. Being able to track how much you contribute to a distributed computing network is valuable in uh, for a variety of reasons, but it just doesn't have that engagement part that keeps people sticking around. Uh, the social aspect does. Feed the <laughs> I think that's it. Should we wrap it up? I think so. I mean, are there any other thoughts on gamification, cheating? Uh, Maybe we'll talk more about the social aspects of Boink next week uh, after your project brief. Or we can do an OS war. You still want to, uh, okay, I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because I just want to rant about Windows for like five minutes. <laughs> oh, solid. I'm on board. Yeah. Well, if you're, everyone's going to agree it's Linux, guys. So this is what you're preparing for for next week's OS war. Yeah. Is which Bring flavor of Linux? all of your Linux flags. <laughs> yeah. And all your Linux merchandise. Bring your laptops that are littered with stickers. Oh, we forgot to talk about badges. All right, so we're going to wrap it up here. But we we did miss a huge part of the gamification aspect. But it's also a social aspect. A nice sort of... Uh, uh, what's that? It's right in the middle of the Venn diagram there, which is Boink badges. If you crunch for a certain amount or if you stay on a project for a certain amount of time, you get a Boink badge that you can put on your profile. And then people get to see that you did this thing and are part of this project for X amount of time, right? World Community Grid's got a bunch of them. There are dozens and dozens of them throughout Boink. We want to do one for the virtual Boink workshop. We want to do one for this Boink network uh, community as well. They're really fun. Uh, and they take up a significant portion of the web page. <laughs> they do. It's wonderful. Uh, so... <laughs> MLC, they're loved too. People love badges. MLC at home points out that the first post on his project's forum was any badges yet. <laughs> so it's wonderful. Uh, but the social part of it is that people get to say, I have this badge. And someone else says, I have that badge too. There you go. You can talk about it. It's wonderful. Uh, so that's another great aspect that is a plus for gamification. Uh, that said, we'll be signing out here. Uh, there are the gamification is great in summary, but there are some drawbacks to it. We, sh we maybe should consider not focusing too much on building gamified systems uh, if we want to focus on user retention. If that gamified system is purely volunteer, if we're building an incentivized system, that's an entirely different thing. Incentivized systems based on game theory are different than building just like a simple credit game. Uh, 
if you want to focus on user retention, maybe you want to focus on the social network aspect of what Boink has got going for it. A huge aspect. Um, next week, we'll be back. Maybe we'll talk more about the social aspect. Uh, maybe we'll be talking about OS wars, which is better, Linux or Windows. And I know uh, we got some opinions. All here. right, you can't leave out Mac OS. Well, we actually just, <laughs> a little aside here, we, uh, at the end of the fireside, uh, there was a huge discussion about how great Mac is <laughs> in their hardware aspects, their hardware. Um, but yeah, well, I, I think we're also doing a project brief next week, Delta. Yeah? Yes, we are. Come join me next week to learn about Gerasim or Gerasim or however you pronounce it at home. Uh, it's an interesting project. Uh, I don't think a lot of people have heard of it. Uh, I know I haven't really heard much about it, but uh, it's recently teamed up with SR Base, I think, and it's going to be an interesting little project brief. So come and join me. Ooh, exciting. We're starting to get into the really unknown projects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the spooky so, and dark corners of Boink. Uh, all right. That said, then, we'll be back next Friday. Today's Friday, right? 5 p.m. Eastern for that project brief and another well, episode Saturday of the for me. Boink Radio. Hey, get out of here, you dang Australian. See, I don't know. No. They're all <laughs> just like the same accent rolled into one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for coming by. See ya.